Hello and welcome to Brain to Board. About three weeks ago, I decided to start designing a board game. About two weeks ago, I decided to start this podcast to document the thinking behind the game itself and the process of actually getting it out into the world. I think that you know you've made something good when you find yourself daydreaming about just how cool it is. Or at least, that's got to be some kind of indicator, right? That's exactly what I found myself thinking about my game a few times this week, because I think I've discovered the secret sauce that makes this game unique and super interesting. The characters. But that's not all I did this week. Oh, oh no. It was a busy week. I playtested my game with a friend in a different state, wrote a functional draft rulebook of the game, and started to get in contact with some artists and a graphic designer. Oh, and also, the game has a name now. I think. It's called The Warlocks. Today I'm going to tell you about how I got to this name, and much more. Alright, before we get into this here, I just want to take a second to say how, like, stunned I was at how supportive the subreddit's tabletop game design and board games were, because I kind of just posted about this. It was, I wasn't honestly expecting much out of it. I was just kind of like, I might as well share this, uh, and this is really still something I'm just creating for myself, for the most part. Uh, however, I'm happy to have some people listening in, because it turned out a few people took interest in it and thought it was a pretty nifty idea for this whole concept, so... I was really impressed by how supportive everyone was of new things, and I guess it makes sense, because I've been on those uh, subreddits for a little while, and when I saw someone post about a podcast a few weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, before I really started getting that much into the process of designing my own game, I checked it out right away, because I was like, eh, might as well see a board game about tabletop game design or whatever, so, you know... I, I, I totally understand the mindset, but I just somehow I didn't really expect everyone or so many people to be into such a new thing by some person they've never heard of before. But hey, I'm thankful for it. And uh, anyone listening from there, thank you for checking this out. I'm glad you stuck with it. So the first main topic today is the name of my game. And um, this is something I've put a bit of thought into. I originally had the game, uh, as you know if you've listened to the past episodes, I had it centered around the idea of these wizards that had taken over a castle and we're basically, like, corrupting the king. And I like that idea, so I've basically kept it exactly the same. But I made one small change, because wizards, wizards for some reason is just, like, really common thing. You know, they're super stereotypical fantasy. Uh, it's just, like, everything has wizards. If you put anything about wizards in the title of your game, it feels unoriginal right away. I think, at least. That's not to say that there aren't good wizard games. Like, I've played Wizard Wars, great game, but the title uh, is a little lackluster for me. So, I made a simple change. I've changed the name of the wizards to the warlocks. And then I figured, like, that sounds pretty unique. I should probably, before I commit to this, I should probably, like, look up to make sure there isn't another big board game called the warlocks. I'm actually going to do that right now, because I just thought of that and realized I haven't actually done it. But, you know, assuming that it's not taken, I think it's a good title. I'm going to tell you why in a second. Okay, so, uh, on Board Game Geek, I see one game called Warlock. Nothing called The Warlocks, though, and I think those are different enough to be distinguishable, so I'm going to stick with it. So this name, The Warlocks, why did I choose that? Well, for one thing, it's very short, it's very simple, it's memorable. No one's going to forget, like, what the name of the game was, or, well, they might forget, but it's simple enough that no one's going to get confused. They're not going to be like, oh, was that called uh, The Castle of the Wizards, or was that called Wizard Castle, Wizard Tower, was it? What was the name of that? No, it's just The Warlocks, really simple. The term warlock also isn't really used too much in at least the title of things, like there's often a warlock class or character in something, 
but they hardly ever make it into the title of games. So that's pretty unique right away. And I also think it's just a good way of summing up kind of what the game is about. It's literally just about these warlocks and you're trying to stop them. So it's like, yeah, it makes sense to me to just call it the warlocks. So overall, I'm pretty happy with that name. In the opening here, I sort of teased that I've come up with some new characters for the game and really leaned into that aspect of it. I realized this week that my game was somewhat repetitive, but I'd already had the idea to change that by adding more characters and adding new playstyle options, but what really struck home for me this week was that the players in my game, like the characters, are the way you win. You cannot win this game if you don't have your special character powers. And that is by design. That was always the way I've intended it to be. From the start, I had that in mind as a way to make it so that like quarterbacking was a little bit harder or like as uh, sit up and shut down. Nope, <laughs> I always say that wrong. Shut up and sit down calls it uh, leader bullying like in pandemic and stuff. So it makes it a little bit harder for one person to take over the game just by adding like a full hand of cards that's unique to each person that they have to manage. So it's harder to tell other people what to do when you don't really remember what cards they have and stuff. And that so that's by design to make it a little bit harder for one person to take over this uh, collaborative game. So I finally decided this week to start working on some more characters. And as soon as I did, I started reaching for some like cool concepts. And as soon as I like thought of a concept, I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. I want to make that. And then once I made it, it was like, yeah, I want to play with this character. And that was actually the first time I felt like this really strong pull into my game. I've been I've been working on it because I like the idea and I feel like I can make a good game. But now that I've started adding these characters to it, I'm actually feeling myself wanting to like play with them and try them out like way more than I have before. So I feel like this is the hook of the game. The like defining aspect of it is that these characters are so transformative to the gameplay that every game feels unique as long as you're playing with different characters. And you have to like learn how to play each character individually so it opens up the world of the game like way more, way more replayability and stuff. I feel like that's the draw. So I've just been challenging myself to come up with as interesting of characters as I could while still sticking within the same kind of broad theme and sort of drawing on that for ideas. So I have seven characters so far, and certainly some of them need to be tweaked, but I'm just going to give you an overall, overall picture of what they do and how they play and stuff and the different play styles. So the first two I had when I started testing this game were the Rogue and what I was calling at the time the Mentalist. I've since changed the name to Scion because that sounds way cooler to me, and I like cool names. So yeah, you've got the Rogue and you've got the Scion. The rogue is a, you know, stereotypical rogue. They're stealthy, they are charming, you know, that roguish charm, and that's about it. They can kill people more easily than other characters, they can do secret stuff. Uh, and the scion is a really, like, mental-based character, as the original name of the mentalist would strongly imply. They can do stuff like mind-wiping and, like, converting one of the wizards, or, sorry, the warlocks. I still get it confused because I forgot that I changed the name. Uh, one of the warlocks minions into one of your allies and stuff like that by charming them. So, so those were the two basic ideas at the start. And those two characters have the most powers out of all, any of the other characters. But the other characters have, like, sort of less well-rounded sets of powers, but their powers are more powerful, so I had to give them less of them, and some of them have passive abilities. So I'm just going to go through those in the order that I added them to the game. Uh, so after those, we have the Chronomancer. And this was the first idea that 
I had for messing with another aspect of the game. So we had the rogue who specialized in like doing things secretly, so not adding a lot of suspicion to the board. Because this game is all about controlling how much these other characters are suspicious of you. Then you have the mentalist who's all about removing that suspicion from the board. So both of these characters kind of played with the same aspect. The chronomancer plays with timing. So completely different. Their whole thing is that instead of the normal strict three actions per turn rule, they can take anywhere from one to four actions per turn. So they have a lot more timing flexibility in that respect. And all of their powers have to do with like, you can like skip your turn kind of and go to the next player, like fast forwarding time. You can reset all of these things back one turn, stuff like that. It's uh, pretty neat. And then I sort of worked on two other characters uh, in parallel and adding things to them as I went. Uh, I have the Inquisitor and the Cleric. These are both sort of uh, the ideas that they draw their power from some deity. You know, I'm not going to flesh out the whole world in the game. That's too much to go through uh, just for a simple game like that. No one's going to want all that lore. Maybe I can make up some of that later. But I think for now the idea is that it's a fairly standard fantasy thing. You know, characters draw some power from a god or goddess, and they use that to do stuff. So the Inquisitor is extremely powerful. They are not a subtle character, so they sort of trade being able to do things without adding suspicion for being able to learn a lot of information quickly and kill a lot of people at once. So they have a power called Righteous Fury where they can just kill everyone in the room, and they have a thing where they can reveal the alignment of everyone in the room, so you learn every everything you can about everyone. Doing these things is extremely risky, though, so they're much more of a character I, I found in playtesting them that you want to lay low and then sort of at the end of the game invoke these super strong things and try to basically win before you get caught. <laughs> the Inquisitor actually turned out to sort of be a little bit of a game-breaking character because they were so powerful that you could set up certain situations and combinations with other characters where you could basically win on like the first couple turns, which I had to tweak them a lot to fix that. But I liked the idea so much that I, I really tried to preserve the idea of them being incredibly powerful, but just upping the danger more and more until it became balanced. So they're a character that you sort of have to walk a fine line to play them. Uh, but I like that. It's probably the most fun to play because you're just like, when do I get to do this crazy power? Um, the cleric is a lot more subtle, but also very powerful in their own respect, as all of these characters are. The cleric can resurrect a character after they get killed. So normally you lose if any character gets killed. Um, any player character, that is. The cleric, though, can resurrect one of the player characters once. So it's sort of a get-out-of-jail-free card. They aren't super powerful in the other things they can do although they have some interesting things to use that are situationally very nice. But really, they're just there to sort of give you that one extra life. Um, the next one I came up with was I sort of wanted to go away from all this sort of magical stuff and just challenge myself to think of another physical-based character who wasn't just the rogue. It didn't really make sense for me to have a sort of standard fighter type because that, that wouldn't be the type of person to go on a stealth mission. So I came up with the mechanist. Um, the mechanist basically uses machines, so their whole thing is that they're a long-term character. You set up these machines early in the game, and then eventually they pay off, and you sort of make it up in gradual gains over time. So there's a lot of strategy involved in the placement of these machines, and all of your powers have something to do with machines. So yeah, that, that, one's, that one's pretty cool too. That one might be one of the most interesting ones to play, and certainly might be one of the most helpful, even though you don't get to do any of the flashy stuff the other characters do. It's just like, oh, I'm going to build a machine in this room. I'm going to build a conveyor belt here. I, I like it, though. And the last one I just came up with today, actually, is called the Phantom. Uh, or just, just Phantom, I think. 
And then the whole idea is that this person is basically a ghost or like a shade or something. So they can walk through walls, they can possess a character, they can frighten a character. That one also just was one of those ones where I, I thought of the idea and I was like, yeah, I want to play that. I want to play as this literal ghost that can possess people and can make a pact with demons. And yeah, yeah, that, that that's cool. It's a cool character. You know, with all this talk of characters, I feel like I've been patting myself on the back, but I feel like I deserve it for this one because these characters are actually so much fun. We'll see if that bears out uh, when I playtest this with others, if they get as into it as I do or if this is just me. But I'm hopeful that it's something that I can lean into and emphasize as a really cool aspect of the game. You might notice that, as I've said all these things, I've, all of these characters have their own sort of take on how they modify the rules of the game. And what I tried to do is just run the gamut of every single aspect of the game, have a character that can affect it. So we've got affecting time, we've got affecting suspicion, affecting like how quickly you need to do the jobs in each room, affecting the, the cards you're drawing every turn. There's really everything, and that was really the goal of these characters. Everyone has a different role, and I think I managed to get that pretty well balanced. The thing about the characters is I don't mind if a couple of them are more powerful than others. That just adds to the flavor and makes certain games a little bit more difficult than others, and I, I don't mind that at all. I just was really trying to avoid game-breaking situations because sometimes you want to add something that sounds super cool, but it sounds cool because it's powerful and that's way too good. It was, a, it was a balance, a large balancing process, and especially with that Inquisitor, I had to make huge changes, but I think I was able to do it with preserving the fun of the character, so that was cool. Uh, earlier this week, I actually playtested the game over Tabletop Simulator with a friend at first, he thought I just wanted to like play a game on Tabletop Simulator. He didn't know that I was making a game. And when he found out I was making a game, he, he had low expectations. He didn't tell me this at the time. But after the game, he was like, you know, when, when you told me that we were playing a game that you made up, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. But then we played it, and it was like an actual game. So, yeah, I'm taking that as a large compliment. I'm probably going to put that on like the right in the middle of the box for, uh, for the game. Quote from my friend. It's like an actual game. I think that'll sell well. It was also nice to play with him because he was um, very helpful once he realized I was really trying to fine-tune the game. Because I think he noticed that I was sort of saying things as we played. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to make a little change here. And like, I need to balance that. But let's just play with it for now. But he was like, at some point, he was like, no. When I, when I said one of these things, I was like, I should probably change that. He was like, change it. Change it now. And so I did. And the game was better for it. So sometimes you need that outside input to, to just force you to make a decision. I certainly did. So that's most of the changes to the actual game and the progress in the game itself that I made this week. I also did make the rulebook for it, the first draft of a functional rulebook. But I am anticipating a lot more revisions to that later. So I'm probably going to talk about that more in a future episode. I also started getting in contact with some artists this week. So really, I was just putting out feelers, uh, just talking to various people, finding people on the internet, being like, hey, what would you charge for this? You know, that sort of thing. And I'm trying to find a balance of not spending way too much money because the more I spend, the more the Kickstarter or whatever I do has to like make up for me. At this point, I am thinking probably of going with a Kickstarter because I really want to get this rolling and like try to launch maybe early 2019 might end up being later than that. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but I want to keep the ball rolling. And I feel like if I tried to publish through a pre-existing publisher, there would be a long wait as they try to like, you know, come up with a contract, like finalize the deal, like, and then they're going to have a delay because they've got all these other things in production. You know, it's just, I feel like I can make this game move faster if I do it myself. And that's going to be a lot of work for me, but I'm, I'm willing to do it. So that's why I'm looking into artists and stuff. 
I'm trying to balance not spending a lot because that'll make it a lot easier to kickstart if I don't have to make up all this investment in it, basically. But I also want to get a good product. I want these art pieces to be good and appealing, and those are what are going to sell the product to some extent before people can really play it. And also, I want to you know, compensate artists fairly for their skilled work because I cannot do that. So I'm trying to make sure I get a good read of the situation when I'm talking to these artists and just make sure they're not like in a position where they are undervaluing themselves because even though I can't really afford that much, I don't want these people to do a ton of free work for me. I just wouldn't wouldn't feel good about that. So yeah, it's a balancing act for sure. And there's definitely going to be some more updates on this. I'm probably going to, once I actually sort of form a company you know, formally to start producing this board game, then I can start thinking about what I'm actually going to invest in and spend money on. So yeah, going to be more updates on that in the future. Like I mentioned, I'm planning to try to launch the board game Kickstarter in early 2019. Might be way too aggressive. I don't, I don't actually know. But the main things I could see that would hold that back would be something like uh, if manufacturing just takes longer than I expect to, I think I can get like the manufacturing and shipping figured out pretty easily. Not easily, not, not easily by any means, but I can do it pretty quickly if I work hard at it. And then, so just if manufacturing takes longer than I expect or like making a deal with someone takes longer than I expect, that, that just might not be enough time like at all to build hype for the game and get people to review it and stuff and play test it. That whole process might take a lot longer than expected. So definitely want to launch sometime in 2019, preferably early 2019, within the first few months of the year. But we'll see. I know this episode was a little bit all over the place, kind of just jam-packed, but that's how my week was. I spent a lot of time working on different aspects of this game and also going to college. Yeah, I'm back in college now, so had to balance a whole bunch of different stuff, but it was fun, and I had fun this week, and I really feel like the game is getting to a really good place. So thanks for listening. If you want to, you can contact me at Brain2Board, just spelled like the name of the show, at gmail.com. Any feedback is appreciated. Actually, one of the artists I'm talking to emailed me because they listened to the podcast. So, yeah, if you're an artist and you want to get in contact, uh, I am still looking into my options right now. So this is probably going to be like your last chance to throw some ideas my way about what you can do if you're interested. Maybe not your, quite your last chance, but just saying if you have anything like that you want to do. Let me know, and I'll be happy to talk to you about it. I really appreciate everyone who is listening to these things, and yeah, I'll talk to you next week. So until then, this has been Andrew Nathanson from Brain to Board.